0: Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and unlearning the programming within us. Let's uncover your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great
1: Unlearn. I always thought I wanted to be a coach, played eight years in the NFL, kind of got footballed out and realized. You know, I want to have an impact in the world. And the best way to do that is to create a business, be an entrepreneur and invest. I have this financial abundance that I've been saving throughout playing in the NFL. And I wanted to really show up and, and make a difference in that way. And I had no idea what I was doing. And all these books kind of said the same thing. It's like, you're not going to know until you try. I had decided to understand what life would be like if I just didn't have a lot of stuff, and I, I adopted this minimalist lifestyle. I ended up giving all my stuff to charity. Bought a van, and I traveled the country for two years. And I just really wanted to experience life. And on that journey, I like discovered so much about myself. You know, I call it a healing journey because I was able to like go into the deeper stories, and I was asking these bigger existential questions of like, who am I? And so it's a really fascinating thought exercise to start saying, well, like, what else are you investing in besides just trying to make your bank account? That's why we're really after money, right? To feel safe feel yeah. secure. It's like, well, what if you started investing in relationships? What if you started investing in yourself and who you are, what you're capable of? And that what I believe is accessing deeper levels of, of real freedom.
0: The investing in relationships. I, mean, I think a lot of us are just seeking connection.
1: Maybe don't understand it that way. What I've found is the biggest, most important aspect of healing is doing it within community. As you go on this path of awakening and getting curious about not only your reality and the stories you were told, you know, this, this podcast called The Great Unlearned, you start, you start realizing, wait, well, hey, are these my beliefs? And when you start getting curious and questioning that, you start going inward and you start questioning the stories of who am I? I truly believe the currency of the future is community. We talked about investing in relationships. And if you're a part of a community that has your back and supports you and you feel like seen, you feel heard, you feel loved, you feel more authentically you and you can show up and you feel inspired, that is invaluable. So that's really what I'm passionate about building and bringing people together so that we can not only just heal individually, but we can show up and use our collective energy to really make a shift and an impact to build a more beautiful world together. Joe Holly, Hey.
0: We're finally doing it, dude. We're doing it. And uh I'm going to introduce you as, you know, eight-year veteran in the NFL, Falcons,
1: you know, the Bucks, blah blah blah, but we know there's so much more than that. Yeah, that's that's not who I am and it's been a long journey of uncovering that.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I'm excited to get into that. It's such a it's such powerful medicine. I know you and I have shared a lot of that together, actually in this space. Uh, without the microphones on, but I know that that journey has been so important to your own, you know, uh, growth and learning and facing a lot of different fears. Uh, so I'm excited for you to be able to share that with everyone today. That and so many other things we got. We got a lot to cover, which I'm really excited about. Um, you know, you and I met a couple of years ago. I think it was at Hallie's uh, birthday gathering. Mm-hmm. Didn't get to spend much time together, Um, but subsequent to that, you know, through Austin Floyd, we spent a lot more time together. You'd come over for the Wednesday workouts. We had a few great drop-ins here as well. And then we've actually uh, have done some investing together, looking at uh, deals together, which has been really fun to
1: explore that space. Absolutely. I love that so much. Right? Yeah. It's the best being able to support other people and be involved in all these amazing ideas and visions without actually having to be the one operating it or holding the weight. It's the best.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then having, you know, you know, we get to share along with Austin and some others, like really start to vet these things together and bring, bring our own lens to it to, to give the group a, a little bit of a better understanding of what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, for so long, I've been a bit of a lone wolf with that stuff and I've learned a lot. It, Unfortunately, it took me a while to learn a lot, a lot of reps there. I've um, had a few of
1: those myself. right? Yeah.
0: And again, it's like, that's, that's the learning. You, yeah. you, you know, I was on a call with some friends earlier today. They're looking at an investment and they're just getting into private equity stuff. And, uh, it felt really good to be able to share my experience with them, but also allow them to make their own decision, not from what I would do, but mm. the things you know, one of the things I shared with them is is is, you know, the 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 size of the investment that you're making is is a little bit bigger than I would have assumed. But are you comfortable? You know, not just putting it into this particular investment, but are you leaving enough? You know, kind of dry powder for stuff in the next twelve months that comes up. Maybe there's you know a, a feel free opportunity, a gel blaster. Is there something where you're like, fuck, I really
1: want to be involved, but you know you've pushed all those chips into the table yeah there's always more opportunities and when you're doing startup investing it's important to make multiple bets cuz the odds are i mean it's really hard it's really challenging and the odds are it's not they're not going to make it even if they're really good they know what they're doing they have a good idea and so yeah like spreading your bets out making smaller bets cuz if just a couple of them pop i mean that will cover all, everything else and so Yeah. I mean, it's really learning through experience and you can't learn. Like when I first started this, you know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur when I got done playing and get into business. And I read all these business books my last couple of years of my career. And because I always thought I wanted to be a coach, played eight years in the NFL, kind of got footballed out and realized, you know, I want to have an impact in the world. And the best way to do that is to create a business, be an entrepreneur and invest. I have this financial abundance that I've been saving throughout playing in the NFL And I wanted to really show up and and make a difference in that way. And I had no idea what I was doing. And all these books kind of said the same thing. It's like, you're not going to know until you try. Like go fail as fast as you can and you'll learn. So I really adopted that. And I remember my first investment found this guy on Instagram, he had this really amazing nut butter. It was a keto product. I was doing keto at the time. There's not a lot of like really good snacks out there. It was really clean ingredients. And I went all in and realizing now, like if if that opportunity presented itself now, like there's no way I'd do it. But I just was like, I'm I'm gonna say yes to this, I'm gonna do it. It cost me probably 120 grand. And I could have looked at that like, oh man, like this is terrible. But I learned so much about business, about relationships, about partnerships, about like so many different things. And I took that into the next thing and then the next thing. And I just continued to get better and then connecting with you and really is just about saying yes to life, but then when it comes to investing, it's about asking the right questions. And when I first started, I didn't even know what questions to even think of asking. And now building my own business and investing and having this experience, I can ask from a place of confidence and a place of knowing, like, how are you going to sell this thing? And like really hear their answer and feel their energy too. Because I think both of us, when we invest, there's a, there's a lot of intuitive connection of, of feeling into the person, into the idea. Is it going to have an impact in the world? Like, why are you really doing this? What's the intention? So there's a lot that goes into it. And I think having that intuitive side is really fun as well. Yeah. It, I think that's a great point. Uh, it, it's something
0: that for a while I would look back on uh, my lack of traditional due, due diligence as a flaw. And there's definitely a place for it. But to your point, like I was really tuning in. Do I? How do I feel about this? Um, in, in when I've married that with better due diligence. And then on top of that, the the it ultimately has to be fun for me. I have to be excited about it to support it. And, and most of these things are passive, right? With the exception of Feel Free, which I've gotten much more involved um, with for because I, I want to. I want to be a part of it. I want to support, you know, JW and, you know, and really getting this product out to as many people as possible and so any way i can do that feels really good but most of these things are passive mm-hmm. and so there's not much for you and i to do except wait for the you know the the
1: quarterly calls or the updates and
0: fucking you know, kind of hope it works out <laughs> yeah
1: and it is a long game right like some of these things like at least multiple years if not you know over 5 10 years of expecting returns so you do have to have the money to invest expecting to not see it. It's, a, it's the most illiquid investment you can make. And so there's that whole thing. And what was coming to me when you're talking is this excitement now where, you know, growing up during like the dot com boom and there was like so much opportunity with the internet and like all these big companies came out of it. It's like, oh man, we missed that opportunity. But what I see now with this new Web3 emergence and this new technology and there's so much opportunity. And yeah, there's 99% of it's fluff, but to be in a, a day in time, where we have this opportunity where I'm really looking into and diving down that rabbit hole of how can I invest into the future and what that looks like. And so, like you said, making sure you save some money for these other opportunities, cause there's always going to be more. And I think both of us have danced with this as well as this, this fear of missing out. Like if I say no to this, especially early on in my investing, it's like, Oh, this opportunity came to me. If I say no to this and it pops, then like, then what? And so we kind of give money rather than like, okay, there's always more opportunities how do I really feel about this? Am I excited about it? And so I'm really excited about what's coming over the next decade with all this emerging technology and how it's actually going to impact the world and trying to see how it fits into the investment strategy. And we'll see how that plays out.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, and I was investing in that period back 20 years ago with the dot com, but I was not investing in that stuff. I just didn't have kind of a foot in that space. And so I missed out on it right now my history would be that I would have ridden it up and maybe not sold it. And then <laughs> was sitting on that, that you gotta be
1: able to walk away Yeah, <laughs>
0: when you're up. But I think you bring up a, a really interesting point and it's probably the, been the biggest thing that shifted for me around the best thing is the fear of missing out. I, I, there's, I gave away, I gave away so much money because I was afraid of missing out on the next, you know, fill in the blank, whatever the thing was going to be. And now I'm just, good. I just, I realized that no matter if I'm in and it pops, if I'm not in and it pops, like I'm okay. It has nothing to do with this particular investment. I want to be involved with things that like I said, are fun, have great energy around it. And then let like let the chips fall where they may. And one of the things that as, like, as I've stepped into that, what's been really cool for me is seeing something like feel free and seeing the trajectory it's on or, or gel blasters and already understanding that when this, and I love that when I said, feel free, you just, you just took a little drink. I gave you a little,
1: little shout out to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>.
0: <laughs> Product placement. You know, you used to be about outcome, Joe it used to be about, I can't wait. I'm going to invest a hundred grand and I can't wait until I get it back. And it's a 10 X like, mm. all right. Now it's like, I, I, I don't want this feel free ride to end. I don't want gel blasters to have this exit necessarily. I mean, obviously, I do, but when that happens, that ride's over. Mm. Right. And there's so much fun energy around it right now that, yeah, we, the outcome is a part of it, but it was, it was what it was all about before. And now it's like, okay, appreciate this ride that we're on and be present for the ride and the people that are involved and, and how fun it can be.
1: And I feel that so deep in my heart when you say that it's, it's all about the journey and not the destination. And so many people are focused on getting somewhere and what's next or what's the next achievement accomplishment. If I only had this amount of money, I'd feel safe or secure. And you know, I've been, I've been on multiple journeys in my life now and you know, when you said that, like falling in love with the journey. And when I played football, like it was one of the most challenging, hyper-competitive environments out there. And there was a part of me that I had these two kind of aspects. There was a part of me that felt kind of like an imposter, like I didn't belong. And then there was a part of me that felt like I was the best player in the field and like trying to find that balance within myself. But there was this, there's so many moments, especially early in my career where I wasn't just, I wasn't present. It was, you know, if training camp was really hard or, I wasn't a starter, so I wanted to be a starter. Once I was a starter, it was like, now it's about making more money. And so I was always focused on the next thing. And then I started really slowing down and, and developing these kind of you know, spiritual practices or just calming practices. Started meditating really just with the intention of decreasing anxiety, improving my performance. And what I started realizing is through these different moments of my life, you know, when I was in high school, I went to college. My freshman year was one of the most challenging years of my life at that time. And all I could think about is like, man, I wish I was back in high school with all my friends. And then by the time I was a senior, it was really fascinating to reflect on, man, that freshman year was one of the best years of my life. It was my first year out of the house. Like it was, it was just, there was a lot of unknown, a lot of uncertainty, but in that I felt so alive because the possibilities were open to me. And then it all of a sudden came to my senior year. I was getting ready for the draft, got drafted. My rookie year was one of the most challenging years of my life. Lot of uncertainty, being in a new team, being in this hyper-competitive environment with the best athletes in the world—not just playing against top talent like maybe a couple times a year, but every day at practice, playing with the best in the world—and I mean, I really like was questioning whether I was good enough to be there, and it was just so challenging fitting in. And then a few years later, I started settling in. I think back to my rookie year and I was like, "Wow, like that was such an amazing time of my life. I was just this new beginning. I, I, I became and fit in as this different man, and I grew." And then something really magical happened. My fifth year, I ended up blowing my knee out. And there's like a lot of backstory and context that we can get into, but i ended up getting cut from the Falcons. And I remember just being devastated and I was crying and I was processing and there was some grief that was coming up and I was, you know, the stories of unworthiness and what does this mean? But for some reason, there was this deeper voice in my heart that I knew like, okay, this, this is happening for a reason. And whatever happens next, like I want to be present for it and I want to enjoy it. I remember going down to Tampa my first year there and it was not only the best year of my career, but it was just, it was so much fun. And it was, I was in the present moment experience of the unknown, of the uncertainty. And I was just really soaking it up. And I just started shifting my perspective of like, you know what, it's not about getting somewhere else. It's about being here now, even if it's challenging. And so I ended up having three more years in Tampa and then, you know, talk about the impermanence of the journey. After my final game in my eighth year, I decided to walk away. And I was sitting on the couch and 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 about three weeks after my final game, just the 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 finality, the fact that I will never play football again hit me. And it was it was it was really intense. There was like a void, literally like a physical void deep in my heart. And there's a lot of processing that needed to happen. And that's kind of what led me on this journey of of I ended up um, for those of you that don't know my story about a I gave away all my possessions to charity. I bought a van and I decided to travel the country just on a road trip to explore this freedom from the game. And we can explore that a little bit as well, but that was only going to be a few months I ended up turning into two years. And that was one of the best, most transformative experiences of my life because I really wanted to discover who I was. Like we talked to the, talked about at the beginning of the show underneath the surface of this, this pro athlete persona that I had developed. And even now being in Austin, having a house, having a family now having a, almost a year old kid, a wife, I have these moments of nostalgia for being on the road. And so when you say it's, it's not about the outcome, it's not about the destination, like that's one of the only absolute truths I've found in this whole journey, like all this spiritual discovery and all these books I've read and all these journeys I've been on. The only absolute truth I know for certain is impermanence. Everything will one day be different than it is now, and we're constantly going through these cycles and these changes. and so how do you deal with that? And I've found the best way to deal with that is be as present as possible with the experiences it's unfolding, falling in love with the journey and the adventure of life. Ah, oh, so well said. yeah, we, we had a lot to unpack there.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, and I'll just say for, for me, uh, what what you're talking about there is something that I, I finally tuned into, I'd say in the last I don't know, year and a half, I'd say it's, it's gotten more, I've gotten more attuned to it within the last nine months. I just, I think about last summer and how I was just very present for the joy I was experiencing when I came back to Austin, man, I I just felt like each day was better than the last and it, it was, um, yeah, it was a major shift from trying to get somewhere and just appreciating where I'm at and, and really living like wherever I am is the best place to be. Mm. Period.
1: you here now.
0: Yeah. And, and it seems so esoteric for us, right? We, we hear Ram Das say that we hear, we read a lot about the present moment and it wasn't until I actually experienced what that means. And it's to really let go of that, that future, um, ideation and, uh, yeah, like it doesn't mean that you and I don't have goals and things that we're working towards, but it's more of a guide. It's a direction we're heading because we're feeling some good energy around it. So we'll go that way, but it's not about a particular point that we're trying to land on. And I think that's been such a liberating experience for me is experiencing it and then understanding like, oh yeah,
1: this, this is actually the way. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure you can relate to this, um, you know, with the success that you've had, but I'm really grateful that I was able to achieve not only a childhood dream, something that a lot of little boys probably dream of, one of the most statistically challenging things to do, which is play in the NFL. I think, um, I think it's like 0.2 percent of high school seniors will actually make it and on a on a NFL roster and to 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 live there or to live that dream out and then make more money than I ever could dream of you know millions of dollars I think at one point I was making four million dollars a year and it's fascinating how when I got to a point where I could buy anything I wanted as a kid I didn't really want it anymore and I got to a point where. You know, I think I was making $4 million a year and I was like a starter. And I was, I was like, I had made it. And then I was still lost in this idea of comparison. And I'd look at, at the guy across the locker room or maybe the guy that's playing the position next to me and he's making $10 million a year. I'm like, well, that guy's not that much better than me. You know, I want to make it. And got to this point where I was like, wow, I made all this money. You know, the game that I, I love so much is, is over. And I still feel unsatisfied, unhappy. And I, I, very, I had this very visceral experience of, and I'm really grateful that I experienced it as at a young age because a lot of people, you know, it takes their whole life to get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm making this money, but, but what's the point? Am I working for retirement? And I was able to do that at a young age. And I, I was like, man, what, what would life be like without all this stuff? Like, who am I on a deeper level? Why do I still feel unsatisfied, unhappy? Why is there still a void in my heart? And that's why I decided to understand what life would be like if I just didn't have a lot of stuff. And I adopted this minimalist lifestyle. I ended up giving all my stuff to charity and bought a van and everything I owned was in that van. And I traveled the country for two years and I just really wanted to experience life. And on that journey, I like discovered so much about myself. I, you know, I call it a healing journey because I was able to like go into the deeper stories and I was asking these bigger existential questions of like, who am I? Like, why am I here? What's my purpose? And, you know, being able to go on that journey, find real fulfillment and happiness, not because I had a big house, not because I had an incredible job, not because I had a lot of money. And I will say like, just a side note, I didn't like, I guess the real like renunciate thing to do would be give away all of my money as well, but come on. (laughs) So I still had that security (laughs) blanket, which, um, which is, I'm really blessed I had. But the cool thing about reflecting that on that now, I'm getting back into the world, you know, starting a business, investing. Like I want to create a lot more wealth for myself. I want to enjoy the game of life in these big ways. Yeah, I want to have a big house to support my family in, and the nice cars. Like I love all that stuff, but I'm no longer attached to it as it giving value to who I am. And so now I know if I lost everything, like I would still find happiness in a van traveling the country. And so I actually like tore down these stories that propped me up and, and gave me self-worth in the, in the world down to this, this base foundation. I went to to this retreat um, probably like six months ago and we did this workshop on money and there was a thought exercise that the facilitator took us through. And there was a few different things, but he ended up, one of them that was really powerful for me is like, okay, what, what would, what would happen if you lost everything? Like all the money in your bank account, your job, and you just, just didn't have it anymore. And, you know, some of the guys there. Wouldn't be going to Sun Life <coughs> Organics anymore. <anyway. laughs> yeah. Khalil, those smoothies are ridiculous. <laughs> They're so good though. Um, and most of the guys there, were, immediately their, their minds went to like, oh man, I'd, I'd be homeless. I'd be on the street. I'd be begging, panhandling. What would that experience be like? But m- my mind never went there because I knew that it was more than money. I've, I've traveled in a van. I found happiness. I've invested in myself enough to know and I'm I'm humble enough to know if like I had to go get a job at a coffee shop and start my way from ground zero and start making money at like that type of job like I can go do that. And I've invested in myself to know that I can create abundance for myself and create become a creator, which is very much what I am. We all are really. And then I've invested in relationships. And so I knew, you know, if I lost everything, I would never be on the street because I have people, friends, family all over the country that would take me in in a, in a heartbeat. And so I just felt this, like this ease of comfort, like, wow, like I don't have to live with this scarcity or this fear of like, what if I lose it all? Because I know I'm loved. I love myself. And I know there's so many people out there that would support me and help me get back on my feet. And so it's a really fascinating thought exercise to start saying, well, like what else are you investing in besides just trying to make your bank account? Cause like, that's why we're really after money, right? To feel safe, to feel yeah. secure. It's like, well, what if you started investing in relationships? What if you started investing in yourself and who you are, what you're capable of? What if you started going and pursuing the things that light you up? And, you know, that, what I believe is, is accessing deeper levels of, of real freedom, which is that inner freedom and that peace and that joy, and that's where that comes from.
0: Mm, I love it. And, and, and something that's been coming up a lot for me lately uh, is this idea of abundance and scarcity. And it gets thrown around a lot, but I think it's very useful because it does simplify where a lot of people are coming from. And you can, you can tell someone who's coming from scarcity from mm-hmm. a mile away. Yep. And you know, what, what I love in particular about the the group of people, and it's mostly men that I'm, you know, spend time with here in Austin is everyone's in service to the group. No one needs anything from anybody. And when you start with that, you know, understanding in that container, just some magic flows from that. And there is a sense of ease when when we're all hanging out we're just drop in and whatever comes up comes up and maybe someone is dealing with something well all right we're going to spend some time on that and some energy and figure out what you know what the path looks like and um the investing in relationships it's um you know, I think a lot of us are just seeking connection and don't maybe don't understand it that way and are drawn into this idea of creating security, as you said, around money. And and so they'll, you know, cut corners or they'll do things that are, you know, less than uh, virtuous Mm. in, in the name of creating that security with money and what I found is the more you show up for people without any intention besides showing up for them, there's no angle, you know, trying to leverage your relationship. When you just get in the flow of that, shit that you would just never have imagined happening presents itself. And I think that's, I think that's the mistake a lot of us make. And I've done it too, where we think we know the path to a certain outcome. And so we start to try to, you know, kind of chart that course and we miss, back to your, your idea of being in the present moment, we, we're not in the present moment anymore and we're focused blinders on on this path that we've created and we're missing all the signs that are telling us, hey, go this way. There's more here than you even understand and just be open to what can unfold when you pick your head up and Again, you're moving in a particular direction, but you're, you're not, we don't know shit. That's the thing. We talked about this before we got on. It's like, we, there, there's so little that we know. And I, and I love what you said. I love for you to actually dig a little bit deeper into this idea of the mind and the heart and how that's helped guide you today, where, you know, in the past, maybe you didn't have access to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have this, this gift. That is the mind, its it's intelligence, its intellect, its ability to predict the future, to think about the past, past experiences, and the ability to grow. And if left unchecked, the mind can really become this enemy that is always constantly working and using. And I think most people they identify with their thoughts as, as who they are. And that's why, you know, for me, meditation has been such a huge impactful practice. And a lot of people, you know, when they first get into meditating, I know I've experienced this, they may feel this, oh, I'm not good at it. I just, I can't control my mind. My mind just races. And, you know, when I first started meditating, I'd sit down for five minutes and I couldn't even like Oh my goodness. My mind would just race. And I would just notice, I think my first practice was, can you count to 10 breaths? Inhale one, exhale two, inhale three, and get to 10. And constantly I found myself literally lost in my thoughts where I'd all of a sudden be on 17. Like, what the heck? What have I been thinking about? And so I'd, I'd come back and, and start at one. And then I would count back to 10. And it would just constantly be happening. And so I think this idea that I'm not good at meditating, um, you're kind of missing the point of what meditation actually is. And meditation is really just developing the awareness of your thoughts, becoming the observer of them. And it's not about controlling your thoughts or stopping your thoughts because that's just a losing battle. You'll never be able to do that. And it's really about just having an uh, Uh, an awareness of, of your thoughts and the ability to not attach to them. So a lot of, a lot of us, we have these stories, these narratives going on in our mind and we're attached to them as if they are who we are and we are the story. And so finding stillness and being able to have, have the awareness of these stories and being able to track and say, Oh, I'm lost in thought. Let me come back to my breath. And the more I was doing that, the more, the easier it became to let my thoughts go. And so it's not about controlling my thoughts. It's about coming back into the present moment again and again and letting my thoughts go and not attaching to the, the narrative and story that they want to take me on. And I like to think of it like, like working out, right? Like as an athlete, I, and this is what really helped me with my meditation practice when I learned this. It's not about controlling your thoughts. It's about taking the reps. And so every time I would catch myself, you know, on on number 17, I'd be like, wow, I've been lost in thought. I just went seven numbers over 10. I would catch myself and come back. And that was a rep. That was like a curl. And as we know, if you curl, it's like the the curl doesn't grow the muscle. It, It rips the muscle and then it can grow back. And so every time you catch yourself in thought and you come back to the breath, that's a rep. And that's a rep. And you'll continue to get stronger and you'll be able to develop that and it'll grow. And what I've realized too, just recently is is it's not about going to the, the meditation mat and the cushion and sitting there for 20 minutes a day and finding stillness and then going out in your life and losing and being lost in your thought. It's like, how can I bring my meditation practice into my life? How can my life become the meditation? And so it really comes back to like the breath and the tool that the breath allows us to really anchor us into the present moment. And so even now throughout my day if i'm just walking or i'm sitting down or i'm working i'll just like slow down and just take a few breaths and it's just really fascinating how few conscious breaths we actually take and so really understanding that that we are not the mind that it's this tool that we can get lost on it's the thing that predict, tries to predict the future which is where a lot of fears a lot of anxieties come from a lot of doubt a lot of overwhelm or these stories around past experiences where we feel Hurt, we feel regret, we develop resentment, we have anger. And so, being able to clear all that out and connect with the heart is where the emotions come. And I know I I work mostly with men. And I think you're, I know you're really passionate about this too, is how disconnected from our emotional body we are as men. And there's a lot of fear of like, what is, like, we don't even know how to feel. We've never been modeled how to feel. And on my healing journey, it's really been about connecting with my emotions. And allowing myself to feel what needs to be felt. And, you know, it's really fascinating to see some past experiences I've even gone through recently with my parents and dropping into that part of my psyche. Maybe when I was seven years old, experience happened and it really hurt. And I didn't have the tools or the safety to process what that was like back then. And that imprints on my psyche. And so it goes into my unconscious. And so there's, if I have patterns showing up in my life that I don't really know where they're coming from, they're living in the unconscious and going on this healing journey to excavate those, realizing they come from these maybe childhood experiences. And I've gone through a lot of my own past experiences and and was able to give myself the comfort and the safety to feel what was never felt back then now. And it's just, I can even feel it in my heart now, it's just like this really incredible process of like grieving and crying and releasing this energy. And when that takes place, it actually unwinds all these unconscious patterns that I didn't even know were there and it creates clarity. And I truly believe this path of enlightenment is to light up the unknown. And, you know, I think a lot of people know this is, you know, we're, We're like 5% conscious awareness, like 95% of our lives, of our patterns, of our habits, of how our body functions is in the unconscious. And so all these past experiences imprints on our unconscious. And so the more we can go, and that's what all the mystics and sages say of, of doing the inner work, you know, as within, so without. And so when you go in, it's about going into the unknown, the personal unconscious unknown parts of who you are and shining a light on them being able to feel what needs to be felt and in that process, you're able to let go of these stories. And what I've found is, you know, getting a little bit more esoteric is, you know, thinking back on back to the mind, right? Does the past or the future really exist? Like, yeah, you can say, Oh yeah. Like the past exists, obviously like I lived it and it's coming, but it's just your perception of the past, which is coming from the present moment. So there's some neural pathways in your brain that are memories And you can think back to the past experience and that linear timeline that gets you here. But when you go on this healing journey and you go back and access some of those old memories and you're able to see it from a different perspective, maybe maybe something happened where, you know, your parents didn't let you go out. You felt a lot of anger and you just thought it was all like, man, why are they doing this to me? This is so messed up. But what if there's like something else going on that you didn't really know? And now that you're an adult, you can really understand from a different perspective, like, oh, they were just you know i have a kid now so i get it like they're just trying to protect them keep them safe or maybe there was something else that i wasn't doing that was my fault and so being able to go back and feel that and see that that moment from a different perspective actually heals and shifts our past from this present moment and then back you know to the future like our mind creates this future does the future actually exist no it's a projection from now and so finding presence and being able to heal past timelines can actually shift who you are in this present moment, which actually helps you focus and create, become who you want to become, which is, you know, another concept of becoming the creator of your experience, which it does take this deeper process and healing that you have to go through.
0: Well, this is a perfect segue into a lot of the work you're doing right now, but before we get there, something that came up for me recently, um, as I'm working on my book and I know you're you're leaving tomorrow to, to really get into um, birthing your book. As I was you know, kind of reflecting on my experience as a trader, and I, I'm guessing it's, it's very similar for you playing in the NFL, is that arena was a really safe place to express anger, to express rage, frustration. I mean, I could... Rip into somebody and say shit that you just wouldn't say otherwise, mm. uh, and likewise, they could do it to me, and it and it w- wouldn't be something that we would hold on to. It was just like we felt something, we expressed it. Uh, maybe it wasn't, <laughs> you know, super conscious, but at the same time, when something comes up, you could have that energetic release, and I think today I, I recognize that if something is frustrating to me, maybe it's something, you know, with Peyton and, and again, this is my perception of it. I'm like holding on to that in some way. And so what happens, it gets stored somewhere in the body and, you know, I do this enough and there's a lot of these, these kind of stuck patterns. And so, you know, just recognizing, you know, how helpful that was as a trader, like, what does that look like for me today? To express my rage and my anger and, uh, in a way that's safe, but also authentic. Mm -hmm. So is that something that that you've thought about at all? Like in, in, you know, in your past playing football your entire life, you know, you get into a spat with someone during practice in the locker room, maybe in a
1: game with an opponent like that, just having that release. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought about this quite a bit and I'll get back to the, the awareness of now and the somatic tools to, to recognize when that energy is arising in your body and then healthy tools to express it. Cause I think that's really important for reflecting back on an athlete and, and playing football. I'm really incredibly grateful for that container that I was able to access deeper levels of rage and anger, and release of energy, and and dominance of another human physically, I don't think a lot of men have had that opportunity. And, you know, just thinking back to, like, how we've evolved and not having that outlet, I think, as an athlete, I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity to connect even this, like, this archetypal, like, energy force collectively that men have, and being able to have that, that medium to express it it's been really powerful because, you know, getting, being done with football, you know, just as, as a man, I feel so calm and it's this, this calm presence of, I don't feel like I have to prove myself to anybody. And I think naturally when, when men get together, there's this little little like test in the waters, like competitive, like how do I stand up like to this guy to prove my worth to this guy. And there's a lot of that going on. And I've really through a lot of different avenues. Like I've done this deeper healing on myself as well. And like accessing and letting go of the stories of needing to prove myself. But I think another thing that I, I reflect on is I know what I'm capable of. Like I know if, if shit hits the fan, if, if, if I needed to step up and handle a situation, I know what I'm capable of. I've pushed myself past my limits. You know, being in a football game, like really dominating. and playing against these grown 340 pound D linemen with so much pressure, so much on the line and, you know, just time and again and being able to like feel so exhausted, so tired, like laying on, on the, on the field after a play a 12 play drive and, and picking myself up and using my will to continue to push and bring that energy against other grown men. Like I know what I'm capable of. And so I feel like because I've had that and I've had this avenue of pushing myself past what I even thought I was capable of myself, I know that I have that capability and it's in me and I can access it. But I don't think if you ever, if you don't ever explore that as a man, it it, it becomes this repressed energy that doesn't know how to express itself. And it may express itself in unhealthy ways. It may try trying to show up and compete with other males, even if you're unconscious of it, you're just trying to see how you fit in and what's going on. And I think that's really important work to really discover who you are and what you're capable of. Um, and I think doing that in this physical way, there's not a lot of avenues to do that as a man. Now I think, you know, martial arts and and jujitsu and stuff like that is really good. Um, and then finding, you know, safe places and maybe it's a retreat, maybe it's men's circles where you can really communicate and talk through that stuff. Because um, it's not something you can do with your partner, with your family. It's there's just this, this deeper tribal inherent like, energy that we all have, and I think it's really healthy to be able to to really explore that and access that. And you know, nowadays, if I feel that energy rising, it's it's really I have the awareness now to notice it, and I think that's a lot of the work I'm doing. Uh, is really around somatic awareness and knowing that if I'm my nervous system's triggered from something, I can notice it and slow down and, and come back into myself. And I have the tools to either take a breath, take a pause from if it's a, a conversation with my partner um, and really slow down and, and, and either take a pause, go outside, get my feet in the dirt, ground out, you know, meditate, journal, process. If it's this rage, I can go outside and even scream or scream into a pillow shake, jump up and down, go get a workout in. And what I've realized is a lot of this energy that comes up, it's, it's living in our physical body. And so it's about expressing it out of the physical body and then coming back into a parasympathetic nervous system. And then when you can do that, you can go explore. You know, I love journaling. Journaling is the most powerful practice I think anybody can do. And really getting curious on why did that activate me? What, why did I get triggered in that moment? Why was there so much rage? What, what was underneath that rage? And, you know, I, I like to think of anger as this, this, uh, what's underneath the anger, I truly believe is unprocessed grief. And if you can explore that, learn to express that energy in a healthy way, and then continue to get curious on what's underneath this anger. What, do I not feel seen? Do I not feel heard? And exploring when I felt like this the first time, when did, when did this experience imprint on my psyche? And there's this natural like uncovering process that really can happen if you just take the time and find stillness and and journal about it, that you'll be able to uncover like, wow, there was this time when I was seven that my dad like didn't see me or, or yelled at me or was angry at me. And it just, it just, I didn't know how to like channel it. And I was just so angry. And so now every time a similar situation comes up in your life, it triggers that within you. And so Part of this healing journey is being able to access those parts of ourselves and be able to feel fully and especially men we don't know how like we, we it's really easy we know how to think about our feelings like, oh i felt this anger i felt this rage it's like but what did that feel like like what, what did it feel like in your body was it this this fire in your chest did your did your muscles get tense like what was that and then when we can really get curious about how our body is communicating with us like and allow ourselves to fall into and surrender into those motions, a lot of times we'll just start breaking out. And this is my experience and how I process a lot of energy is through some really deep grieving processes. And I've developed the tools and safety within myself to to access that. Like if I feel energy coming up, like something sad happens or an energy, I literally will go into my back casita And I'll just allow myself to feel it fully or I'll go in the sauna, feel it fully. I'll just start like grieving, crying, wailing. And I don't judge myself for what's coming through. I just allow my body to reset. And in those processes, when the energy is like the most cathartic experience ever, and I feel more free, I feel more centered and being able to process it. And I truly believe what we're going through right now, like individually and because of this collectively there's just so much unprocessed grief in the world right now. And we're being called to make a choice to, to let go of this old way of being in, in a lot of different ways and these old stories of who we are. And a good example of my life is I built up this personality construct and this story of being a pro athlete. I spent my entire life, all 16 years of my career working to accomplish this singular thing, be the best football player I can be. And when it was over, like, whoa, like, who am I without this thing? I built up this story. And that was a massive ego death. Like I had to figure out who I was beneath this because this story wasn't going to serve me anymore. And it took me a while and I'm still very much in process. I mean, it's not like a one-time, like, like let me grieve the loss of being a football player. I mean, a big part of the, the, the time on the road and even up to now is, I'll have a memory and I'll I'll access it. And it's the finality of the game, never being able to play again, what it taught me, all the experiences, the love I had for the game. And now I'm never going to be able to play again. Like sometimes the emotion will just arise and I'll grieve it. And so the grieving process is a a letting go of something that we love so much. And it served us maybe up to a point. And so for us, I think to really learn how to grieve and give people permission and and make them feel safe to grieve because there's all these different things that go into that. Feeling safe is a big part of it, um, is a big part of what I think we're all going through, especially with men and this, this kind of collective shift that we're, we're feeling into. Yeah. So so practically speaking, you know, what does it look like for,
0: you know, someone listening today? Um, you know, and I think probably looking at the work you're doing now is, is helpful. Like, what are some of these somatic practices you've shared, some of your own, um, but someone comes to you, give us an idea you have the heart collective and you uh are i guess you opened
1: up the course now right heart opener oh no so the uh, the heart opener is a is a course ben's taken people through on okay. on that specifically around the fear of love um but yeah the heart collective you know it started off as a as a community specifically for former pro athletes in that transitioning process because you know two years on the road, I started asking the question, okay, now what? No, I, I don't want to travel and I'm really feeling like I, I want to have an impact in the world now. I'm feeling ready to step into this. And um, the idea to start a community, because I knew if, if I had a community to plug in when I was done, like the, the challenges I went through would have been a lot easier to like plug into other guys going through the same thing. And there was nothing out there like that. So I felt called, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to really support other athletes going through this. And what I found is it was a really niche market, even smaller niche of guys that were looking for this type of work. And it just wasn't really sustainable, but on reflection, it was all exactly perfect of what needed to happen and setting us up for this kind of pivot that we've been going through and this, this opening it up. And the heart collective is now uh, open to anybody that's on the spiritual path of healing. Who's looking for deeper connection, healing and growth. And what I've found is, like we talked about before, we press record. The, the biggest, most important aspect of healing is doing it within community or doing it within the presence of others. And as you go on this path of awakening and and, and getting curious about not only your your reality and the stories you were told, you know this this podcast called The Great Unlearned, You start you start realizing, wait, it was kind of like, are these my beliefs? Is this something that I was taught or told by it, whether it's my environment, the culture I grew up in, my parents, my peers, school, it's like, is this what I believe? And when you start getting curious and questioning that, you start going inward and you start questioning the stories of who am I? And whether it's a big transition like me leaving football or you just start getting curious yourself because you feel unhappy or unsatisfied, that's a very lonely and isolating journey at first, especially when you're in the same environment where everybody kind of knows you as this person you start shifting and changing and that can be really challenging. And so really I'm really passionate about building community for that reason. And so we've opened it up and we're working on this course called fear alchemy right now. Um, Cause fear, what we found is the base energy frequency foundation of all of these other emotions or, you know, fear is the thing that's holding us back from either taking the first step to go on the journey or continuing and really reframing what fear is. And I'm really grateful for fear because when I first walked away from the game, I read it in a book somewhere. There's this quote that I adopted as a mantra and it's on the other side of fear lies freedom. And, you know, looking back on it, obviously now I have such a profound relationship with fear because of all the work I've done. But back then it was just this like, man, I, I, just, I just, know. I I need to go do the things that scare me, like that's that's the only like that's what I have to do, and that takes me getting out outside of my comfort zone, which is really challenging for a lot of people. It's it's getting going into the unknown, and you know, for me, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was done playing. Like like, what's my purpose? How am I here? And I knew to find that purpose, it lived within my fear, and so, um, that's what I did, and you know opening this community and and really supporting individuals on this path um really excited about you know where it's headed and we we we're hosting retreats as well um we do workshops we have you know weekly calls we do collective meditations together and we have an app where everybody can stay connected and chat and so it's just really um with where we're all headed collectively i think we're all being asked to make a choice and it's i feel like we're being forced really depends where you're at um, but it's really as simple as you know can't wait till things get back to normal or like you know waiting and holding on to this old way of being individually and collectively or learning to grieve and let go of what that story how it got you here and letting go of the reins, letting go of the the safe harbor and going into the unknown and that's what we're all being asked to do I mean with how everything's shifting. And even with just the exponential growth in technology, like we, there's literally anybody it's impossible to predict what's going to happen in 10 years. Like what's the next decade going to look like? And that's a frightening thing. I mean, one of uh human's biggest fears is the fear of the unknown, right? And the ultimate unknown, which is death. So it all seeds off of that. And so we're going into this unknown territory as a collective species. And in order to really navigate that, you have to embody this this really deep felt sense of trust and faith. And I truly believe that faith is earned through experience. And you have to continue to get outside your comfort zone. You have to continue to say yes to what your heart's calling you to do. You have to go towards the things that scare you to realize like, oh, this is exactly where I'm supposed to go. And you'll have moments where it's like, feel like you're falling off a cliff. Like what's happening? Why? And it's like I shared earlier, Every time I would change my life, you know, go from high school to college. And that first year was like the unknown. And then going from college to the pros and then to Tampa and then to leaving. It's like every time I was in that unknown, it was the most challenging experience while I was in it. But looking back, it's when I felt most alive. It's when I felt most free. And that's what we're going through collectively right now. And you can't do that alone. You're not going to be able to navigate it alone. So I truly believe the currency of the future and you see this big in like the web three space, like all of those projects are just so community-based, which is so inspiring. I truly believe the currency of the future is community. We talked about investing in relationships. And if you're a part of a community that has your back and supports you and you feel like seen, you feel heard, you feel loved, you feel more authentically you and you can show up and you feel inspired. That is invaluable. And when you can feel supported by that, you can really go out and, have the courage to continue going on the path because you know you have this community at your back. So that's really what I'm passionate about building and bringing people together so that we can not only just heal individually, but we can show up and use our collective energy to really make a shift and an impact to build a more beautiful world together. That's,
0: you know, what I love about what you're doing is a common refrain I hear from people is, well, I I don't have a community. I don't have people around me. And I think what what you've done with the heart collective is created in a community for people to be able to drop into Um, because it doesn't have to be people in your physical space. And I think we kind of get our head wrapped around that, you know, we're fortunate enough. We do have that here. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm I'm super grateful for that, but that's not the only place um, that it lives and the work you're doing, I think is, is amazing with that. So I'd love to hear more about that. But before we do, I'd love to, To tap in a little bit to your, you know, your, your, I would say your past fear of, of stepping into the leadership role Mm. and what that journey has been like for you. Because people be like, what do you mean? He was in the NFL. He must've been a leader. And, but I know that you've, you've had some challenges there as you've, you've come into this kind of new incarnation.
1: Yeah. No, thank you for bringing that up. Cause that is, oh, that's real. And you know objectively if you look at my career you know, i played eight years in the nfl like i started 50 games i played in almost 100 it's a really successful career and i'm sure anybody would be like wow man i wish i could do that man that's you work so hard like good for you i'm so proud of you it's like yeah but for me i felt like i never achieved what i was fully capable of like my fullest potential and the reason i feel that is because there's so many moments throughout my career where i played small as a leader and i've actually been doing a lot of deep work on this and i have this big fear like my big overarching fear of this lifetime has been the fear of being seen and there's a lot of different experiences throughout my life i think my upbringing my parents You know, my relationship with my father and wanting to be seen by him. You know, I grew up in a Christian household where I didn't feel like I could express who I was. There's a lot of judgment and shame that I felt that I started embodying. And when it comes to my football career, there are so many moments throughout where I had this opportunity to step up as as a vocal leader. And I I would let fear win. You know, I was a really good incredible leader on the field. I led by example. I was always like on every team I was on, I was probably like the the fourth or fifth guy that people would look up to in the locker room, but I was never voted team captain because I didn't take that step. And there's these moments like, you know, for instance, let's say in high school, you know, that the, the team comes together after sprints, everybody's breathing heavy. And it's almost as if the universe just just slows down and it, it's like a window opens up where it's like, Joe, say something now, like give a speech, like rally the troops. And it's just that split second where like time stands still and it's like, and I just have this knowing where it's like, I'm being called. You can feel it. I can feel it and I'm like, oh. And then all of a sudden just this, this gut-wrenching fear, my heart constricting, this stories of like, wait, what are they gonna think? What if I say the wrong thing? And then the window closes and I sit there and I'm like, oh, it's okay. And nobody there knows that like, nobody's like, Oh, Joe didn't give a speech this time, but I knew it. And every time that happened multiple times, like lots of times throughout my career where I was like, Hey, oh, here's an opportunity to lead. Here's an opportunity to rally the troops. And I didn't, I let fear win. It just, it, it made me, it just eroded at me. It made me feel like, wow, like I'm, I'm playing small. And it's fascinating that I played eight years in the NFL and started 50 games. Like, what if I didn't have that fear of being seen and I was able to step into that role? Like, what could I have accomplished? And, you know, when I walked away, this, this big part of my story is traveling the country in this van. And there's so many different layers that I've learned about as I reflected and gone on this healing path. And one of them was, there was a part of me that was running away from the game. There's a part of me that when I walked away, I knew I didn't give it everything, like my fullest potential as a leader. And so I was kind of running away from that. it's fascinating that two years into that trip when I had that insight to to create community for former athletes, it was like the universe is like, you haven't learned this lesson yet. Like you're here to be a leader and it's time to lead. And that goes back, circling back to on the other side of fear lies freedom. And so my purpose, I know I'm an incredible leader. I know I'm here to learn how to lead. And the universe keeps giving me these opportunities like, hey, lead, hey, lead. And every time I let fear win... It's I, I'm I'm not being who I am. I'm putting a mask on. I'm hiding, and so when I first got that insight to go back and and start a community for former athletes, I it was a year before I launched because I had to work through so many of my deepest fears of like, well, how am I going to be received? How am I going to like? I don't want to be seen in this, especially now going back into this like hyper masculine environment with this this new softer healed side of <laughs> all these tools and doing yoga, <laughs> and so this journey, and that's why I say it was so perfect when I had that year and a half of really focusing on building community for athletes because that was perfect. That taught me so much about who I am. And it gave me the opportunity to step into, you know, little by little, like confronting this fear and then looking for evidence of like, wow, I'm actually good at this. Like I can just let go of this stuff. And it's all prepared me for this bigger mission, which is now the heart collective opening up and building community at scale for so many people. Because if this idea would have just been given to me, you know, right when I got done playing, I would have, it would have been so much to hold that the fear would have been like, ah, and so the universe has been giving me these opportunities to say yes, to say yes, getting Keep the reps into in. getting the reps, and building that confidence. And yeah, I still experience fear. Like even coming over here, it's, I was thinking like, man, I feel a little bit of nerves in my heart, in my chest and having an awareness of like, where does that come from? It's like, oh, it's because it's I'm going to be seen. And that's a vulnerable thing to do. And I'm continuing to put myself out there and that's why it's all about getting outside your comfort zone. That's where your purpose lives. That's where freedom lives. And yeah, so I'm just, I'm just on this journey of really learning what it means to be a leader. And I want to reflect back on too, because my idea of what leadership was has evolved quite a bit. You know, I, I always thought part of me not wanting to speak up when, when I was a football player was I thought if I was a leader, I had to have it all together. I had to be perfect. If I was going to tell someone else like, Hey, is, is that what you're doing? Like, Hey, work harder, maybe sprint through the line more. Um, is that, is that going to help us win a championship? I felt if I was telling somebody to step up that I had to be like perfect. Yeah. Cause then they'd just be like, well, you know, you're not, I saw you slack off the other day. And so I just, I, I never allowed myself because of this idea of this, this leadership. And I'm really grateful for my wife, Sarah, because she's one of the most incredible leaders I've ever met and being able to be around her and witness her. She's been an entrepreneur for 17 plus years and she's building this massive tech company and just being around her and the witness how she leads her team. And then, you know, if there's like some conflict resolution that needs to happen within her team and she communicates it with me and just how she works through this, she's really helped me reframe what leadership is. And I think this is an archetypal collective story of what leadership is as well. Cause a lot of businesses, they have this hierarchical structure, like leadership is this person's above me. They tell me what to do. And that was definitely in my psyche is like, this is what leadership is. And she's really reframing and embodying this new type of leadership. Oh, you're saying, so if I'm, if I'm, you know, a leader on the football field, I need to
0: anybody that I'm speaking to needs to be in some way below me. Mm. I need to be, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Great point. Yeah. And The way she leads her team, and the way I've begun to re identify what leadership is, is this idea of the round table. And for me in the Heart Collective, right? I'm the visionary. I'm having this vision come through, but I just have a seat at the table. And everybody here at the table, if they're not all here, if one of them's missing, then the vision doesn't work. And so I've been gifted with the role of visionary, of leader, but my job is to make sure that everybody identifies and embodies this vision. And so I lead them and share the vision with them so that they're inspired. It's been really beautiful to to lead in that way because it's not about me having the answer. It's about, hey, like it's gonna take all of us and every single person here has a role to play. I mean, you're the brand designer, you're the marketing team, you're the ops person. Without any one of you, this, this vision doesn't work. It's not about making it work for me. But my job is to lead everybody aligned with the vision. And it's been really cool to do that in business. Because now I'll have means that we had a creative brainstorming session around some target audience stuff. And I, there's, there's seven of us on the team now. And they were all talking about... Because tar- we just brought on a, a head of marketing, which has been amazing. So she's just getting really clear on like, okay, who's, who's our audience? Like, who's this community for? And we have this course we're selling as well. And I sat back and for an hour and a half, I didn't say anything. They were all just like brainstorming, like, this is the person we're going after. This is, this is what they're into. This is what they do. And they're all just brainstorming back and forth. And I had this moment. Oh my goodness. I was just, I was so taken aback because I've been, to have an idea as a, like a single person, I have this idea of, okay, I have this vision. This is what I'm being called to create. And it just takes so much energy and so much effort to birth it into reality. But then it comes a point where it's no longer mine. Like, yeah, I was the one that birthed it, right? Like, like. I love the analogy of having a baby when you're when you're birthing a business. It's like, yeah, I'm the one birthing it. It's like, oh, and it's so much energy, so much effort. And then it becomes its own being. It's there, it's separate. And now it's not, like, I can't control that being. I can support it and nurture it and lead it, but it's its own energy signature. And so the Heart Collective has become this own energy signature that, and that's why the even the pivot away from athletes, it's like, that's not what it wants to be. It's here to serve a bigger mission. It's not my mission. It's, it's I'm not... I'm the one that's the visionary and connected with it. But now I can see so clearly because of the way I've been able to lead my team, they're all connected to it too now. And so it's almost as if we're all becoming this visionary space where I'm kind of leading and driving the direction, but everybody else is adding so much value that like they didn't, none of them two years ago had this idea. And now they're all talking like it's their vision back and forth. And it's just so cool to witness. And I'm just like, wow, this is epic. Like I cannot wait to see how this thing grows and expands and and the impact that it's going to have in the world.
0: Oh, dude. And you already have a fucking head start on being in in my opinion, so tapped in as a father, because what you just ex- you know explained, I've talked about this recently on the podcast, but it, it it's taken me you know my oldest is nineteen. It's taken me until he was maybe 16, 17 to understand that these are individual souls and and I have a hand in raising them, but even raising them is, can be a bit problematic. So what can I do to support them on their journey? And uh, it takes everyone. It takes the collective coming in to support each one of my children um, because the more I try to control, the fucking more south it gets. Mm. It just, And then the tension arises and then it's constricted. The relationship is not strong. So like all the, like, I'm just, as you're you're, you know, kind of going through this, you're explaining the process. I'm just envisioning my relationship with my kids and, and how just that perspective, unfortunately, is not very common. But I believe in my experience that it is is the best way to show up for these kids. And it sounds like it's the best way to show up for the heart collective, too. To just, I love that you just, you just were able to let the energy, like it's its own thing. I I didn't even think about that. It's its own energetic signature. And everyone is allowed to show up in their genius to support this. Mm. You can't do it all. You did the heavy lift early on and carry the vision by yourself until you actually birthed it. And now you, you know, the collective gets to to support it and and let it be what it wants to be. Yeah. It's so fucking cool.
1: It's so cool. And empowering my team to have the confidence to be like, what, what do you think? Like, I'm not a marketing expert. Like, what do you think is a thing in the middle? Yeah, that feels good. And being able to pull, it's like the idea of, of channeling, right? Like where do, where do ideas and where do visions come from? And if I can empower everybody else to connect with the the, the vision and the energy of the Heart Collective, they're all going to bring their own input and expertise. And now it's this collective thing. And the cool, the really cool thing about this, even I I believe with the future of business, it's really this this community led growth. And Sarah's doing this with her company, Grow Mote.ly. Where I mean, she's a, a on the surface a, a, a remote job hiring platform, but in reality, it's so much bigger than that because she's building community and everybody that she hires through her platform becomes a part of this greater community where they support each other. And so, like I said earlier, community is the currency of the future. So even when you're doing something like looking for a job or as an entrepreneur looking to hire, it's a plugging into this community, this energy signature is so powerful. And these people are, aren't, aren't going to just want to go work for a, a job. Like how do we actually make them feel seen and heard as a part of a community? And the cool thing is we have this internal team that's, that's driving the growth and that the vision of the Heart Collective, but as the community continues to grow and expand, anybody that's a part of the community and joins the community is gonna feel a part of this thing that's greater than themselves. And they're gonna be able to connect with it. They're gonna be able to add value. And then we're gonna be able to come together and actually use the collective energy that we bring and the collective healing that we're doing individually within this community and really show up and make a difference in the world. Because if we try to make like, what, what can one person do? And we can get into how one person can really make a difference by showing up and answering their call. But us all coming together, answering our own individual calls and then supporting to really get creative and think about new ways and feel into how do we build a more beautiful world together? How do we heal? How do we bring this, these, these ripples that we're feeling within this community, within ourselves, out into the people that we love, the environments that we're in, you know, our, our families, our friends that maybe don't have access to this work and start embodying what it means to be present, what it means to be loved what it means to see others because you see yourself and you feel seen and within community and bringing that energy out into your, into your life. It's not about having the answer. It's not about trying to change someone's belief, change their perspective. That's what creates this division. We're like all arguing about this stuff. Like, no, my way's right. Your way's wrong. How do we drop into a felt sense experience of love and presence? And I'm sure you've connected with this and I know I do. And anybody listening to this, when you're around somebody that just knows who they are, and they're just present with you, and they're listening to you, and they're hearing you. They're not in the lost in their thoughts, thinking about what they're going to say, or worried about the mm-hmm. day. Like that mm-hmm. energy is palpable, mm-hmm. and that's what heals. It's not about trying to change people what they think, and that's back to the idea of the mind and the heart. Yeah, and full circle, why we call it the Heart Collective. I We're, was
0: going to ask you this. So thank
1: you, <laughs> fucking read my mind. Boom. We're in the field. <laughs> yeah. So the Heart Collective sharing our hearts with the world and. Yeah, dropping out of the the ego and the mind into the heart and and answering the heart's calling. And that takes courage. It takes a a willingness and a desire to know who you are. And when you can start having the courage to just say yes, and the way you know which direction to go is to identify your fear, having an awareness of your body, like, oh, this thing, like, I feel a little bit nervous of that. Maybe that's what I should go do. Mm -hmm. Dude. What's underneath that fear? And, you know, it's the Joseph Campbell quote, the treasure you seek is in the cave that you fear to enter. Mm -hmm. So literally the treasure, the knowing, the remembering of who you are lives within your fears. So if you if you go, want to go on this journey you have to say yes and that takes courage. And the beautiful thing I've been reflecting about courage is such a beautiful emotion embodiment I, I don't even know how you'd describe it. Mm. like courage only exists because of fear. Ah. Like without fear there would no there would be no opportunity to embody courage. We wouldn't be able to experience what courage is. And so thank you fear. Thank, Thank you, you, fear, for giving me an opportunity to be courageous. It's beautiful.
0: Dude, that's so... I just... I haven't spent enough time sitting with that. Um, so I'm I'm really glad this came up today. Uh, the, as you were talking about, you know, fear, I think about um, my first experience with our friend Boyd Vardy. I heard him on a podcast and... The, the host, Patrick O'Shaughnessy, had visited Londalozzi Boyd's family's um, game reserve in South Africa. And Patrick was on a, a it's a really small a six uh, six-person men's retreat. And one of the things, the thing that triggered me to say, I need to go do this was... Patrick recounting the experience the night they all slept out on the land. So one night they sleep out on the land, there's a fire, everybody's, you know, asleep. There's one person who makes sure the fire stays lit and keeps the coffee going for the next guy who gets up. So you have like an hour and a half where you're you're kind of you're doing the watch. He talked about when he was during his watch period, there was a hyena that came up. And he had an encounter that he had to manage. And as I heard that, like everything in my body tensed up, like, fuck, oh my God, like that would, like, what, how did, like, obviously on one level, they're safe because no one's dying there. So I know that, but deep inside me, I had this fear, like, that scares the shit out of me. And it was literally the thing that triggered me to go online and sign up for the retreat. And because of that, I met Boyd in in July of 2019. And now he's become such a huge part of my life, my family's life, this Austin life. All because of that feeling of, fuck, that sounds terrifying. I think I need to do it. Now, I, I, I would say that that isn't necessarily the norm for me right now. And so, um, uh, this this whole conversation is bringing more of that up for me. Like, and it's almost like I'm guessing reflecting back on those moments where fear had allowed you to step into courage, and then what happened. Mm -hmm. And so, I love that. uh, I've got some
1: homework for later today. (laughs) Yeah, and saying yes to life, and it it wasn't about the the confronting the hyena. I mean, the deeper level is going and doing that is this deeper comfort within yourself. Like, wow, I can go live out on the bush for a night and confront that fear and and I make it through and I, I feel safe. I feel more confident in my everyday life because I went and experienced that. But then it led to this amazing friendship and the seed of saying yes to that experience has grown into like, your life would not be the same without it. And it could be something not like confronting a physical danger. Like that's an easy concept to understand how it can activate the nervous system, but even something within a friendship or a partnership where you feel a desire to speak your truth or, or say something but there's this fear that it might hurt the other person or a fear that it might not be received. And when you go to share it, you, you might hold it in because the fear is keeping you. In. And when you go to say, you might feel a lump in your throat, your mm-hmm. heart start racing and the fear is telling you like, don't do it. I'm trying to keep you safe. I love you, man. This isn't, this isn't going to be, be good for you. <laughs> yeah. And when you know and follow that and you say, you know what? Like I'm, I, I need to say this because it's on my heart. And I know it's, it's not about the other person. I need to get this off my chest. And I'm sure anybody listening to this, I know you've probably experienced this where, yeah, it's hard, hard, hard. But as soon as you say it, you not only feel good, but more times than not, it's like received. It's off your chest. And it leads to maybe a deeper connection with your partner because they can finally like, oh, I never knew you felt like that. I never knew when I did this thing, this is how you felt. And so if, instead of holding it on, which leads to what? Leads to resentment, leads to anger. You're holding that energy within. If you can follow that fear and say, "Wow, this is really scaring me to speak this," like, I probably should go do that." And I think that's a lot of this work with, with retreats and with these, these healing uh, experiences and community and men's groups is like, I want to speak what I've never spoken out loud, because I'm, I have a fear of being judged for it, but in reality, I'm just judging myself. And if I can speak it out loud and it's received with love, it's received with, with presence. And non-judgment, there's nothing more healing than that. And so finding a community where you can be yourself and speak the things that you haven't been able to tell anybody because you fear you might be judged and to be received with with love and presence, it's, oh, wow. And then you can come back more to yourself. And so, yes, like following the fear, it's a beautiful journey.
0: Let's let's talk, let's let's take people through, you know, uh, how do they become you know, involved with the heart collective and what does it look like? What's the onboarding look like? What, what can people, you know, somewhat expect for this journey?
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. So we've gone through this pivot over the last few months. We just launched our new website, heartcollective.org, H a R T collective.org. A bunch more information on there. Um, Pretty simple. We have two types of membership. We have a free membership where you get access to some, some free content, some, some articles, podcast recommendations, uh, our blog posts and some writing and stuff, but to have full access to actually engage within the community, you join the inner circle, which is only $29 a month. You get access. We have an app that you'll download goes right on your phone. And we have just a bunch of chat forums and kind of direct you and create conversations. And there's a bunch of, uh, incredible content there as well. And resources, we have yoga flows, we have different meditations, and then we're in the works of developing this, this course, which is so much more than a course called Fear Alchemy, which actually gives people this, this conversation we're having around fear. It gives you the tools to explore your fears. And that's the biggest part about fear is it doesn't want to be seen. Like it lurks in the shadows. And I like the analogy, like the, the, the way you know fear is there, it's like a black hole. Like you can't actually see the black hole, but you know it's there because it's warping space time around it. And so you know you have this fear because you're recognizing how it's holding you back. Maybe you're, you have this fear of like, Leaving your job, or creating this business, or asking this girl out, or like whatever it is, you know it's there. But what's what's the root? What's underneath it? And so this course, which is more of a, an initiation or, or a ceremony, actually gives you the questions and the guidance to navigate your own inner world to get to the root of where does this fear come from, and it gives you uh, the process to really feel that fear and let go of that fear and then reframe that fear, uh, which is really beautiful. And so we have that. That's going to be launched in. April, uh, maybe early May. And so if you join the Heart Collective now, you'll get early access to that behind the scenes stuff and a discount when it does go live. Um, And then when you're on board, we have um, weekly calls. And this is uh, very much still evolving, but uh, we plan on doing weekly calls. We're going to be doing Q&As around the Fear Alchemy course if you're taking that. We do these things called heart-to-heart calls where there's uh, usually a prompt before we drop in. question for you to reflect on and then being able to jump on a a zoom call where you can actually share your process and what you uncovered because like we talked about being able to speak that truth out in front of the presence of others is just a profoundly healing experience Uh, we have these calls called the collective breath where we all come in and drop in and do a meditation together uh, visualization um, and we can get really creative with that which is it's a lot of fun And then we have these heart social hours. So as the community grows, we'll we'll have these heart social hours where you can drop in and we'll do breakout groups where you can actually, with prompted questions, so you can actually get to know the community so we can create this really tight-knit connection. And, you know, I'm really passionate about this idea of like community because I think we're evolving past this this age of the influencer and everybody following somebody and it's just this one direct communication, right? Like I have 10,000 people following me is is that a real community? And I know influencers have communities and some of them do it better than others. But if it's that one way direct communication, like I'm the community, you're here for me. I'm really passionate about building community where it, it's, it has an energy of its own. People within the community are connecting. It's about the energy that we're sharing and the path that we're on, not about any individual person. And that goes back to like me as the leader of the community. Like, yeah, that's my role, but I'm here to cultivate community so that you feel a part of something bigger than yourself. And we're uh, working on, you know, be hosting a wide variety of different retreat experiences, uh, couples retreats. We got a whitewater rafting retreat going in September um, and just really excited about doing the retreats because I am really passionate about being in person, live. There's just nothing better than experiencing that presence with others. And so we'll continue to, to develop those and really passionate as the community grows. I have this vision of holding these, these healing summits, like these healing heart summits where we have hundreds of people, maybe thousands, kind of like a music festival, but very intentional, um, doing sound healings, collective meditations, um, and different medicine people there really like showing up and, and, and giving people this really profound community feel, this felt sense of presence and love within themselves. And the more we can tap into that, I mean, I, I truly believe that's what's really going to move the needle on on healing this this collective frequency of fear that's kind of blakening the planet right now.
0: Mm. And are you doing one-on-one coaching still?
1: Yeah, I, I offer one-on-one coaching. Um, I'm really focused on this idea of, of healing at scale. And um, so I'll bring on, you know, clients, if it's a right fit, uh, a little bit more higher ticket item. Um, and I'm in the process with writing my book too, developing a group coaching program as well. So there's a lot of different options we're working on and launching. Let's get into the book here. Oh, yeah. Okay. You and I have had some conversations
0: about this, um, but I'd love for you to share um, whatever you, yeah, whatever you feel called to share. I know tomorrow is the big day where you start your journey out to Sedona to really drop into that space. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the writing process. um, There's a lot here, actually, um, to unpack. And so I'll do my best to share the relevant information Uh, um, but yeah, I'm going to Sedona tomorrow to, I'm calling it a sabbatical to, um, write this book, going to spend a month there. And, you know, this book first came into my awareness probably close to three years ago, about halfway through my van life trip. Um, I felt inspired because of the unique journey and experience that I was on and the lessons I was learning. Felt called, and I need to share this with the world somehow, some way. And so, you know, I hired a writing coach about two and a half years ago, and dove into this process of writing this book. And long story short, I basically was doing um, all these creative exercises with my writing coach. Ended up writing close to seventy thousand words, pretty much just you know a bunch of word vomit. Um, And it was a very healing, cathartic process, but it wasn't a book, and it all needed to happen. But I just I was struggling trying to figure out how it all fit together. And the thing uh, with the book, the name of the book came to me pretty early on, uh, probably right when I first started this writing process. And the name of the book is called Finding Freedom. And for those of you that know a little bit about my journey, when I first left the game of football, I rescued a a dog from the shelter and I named her Freedom. And so the initial idea was this book was going to be about my van life trip and the amazing experiences I had it's going to be kind of this, this idea of like, I found freedom, but then I found this inner freedom on the road and I was trying to figure out how it all fit. Uh, and I, I realized about uh, a year ago that I was just really blocked and started understanding that I was still very much in process. And although this book has shifted, like the the, the framework of the book, the message of the book, continued to evolve and shift but the title has always stayed constant like finding freedom and so i've always been reflecting like what is that what does that mean to find freedom in my own life and so i realized i was very much still in process so i was like you know what i got a lot going on i'm just going to put this to the side and press pause i told my writing coach you know just when it comes to me it comes to me i have so much going on i'm a new father i'm building this business and it's just not coming and i knew it, when it's ready it'll come and so i was in uh, Sedona last October And for my birthday, and I, for those of you that have been Sedona, it's just a beautiful place. And the energy there is, it's really palpable. It's, it's, it feels like there's this deeper connection to, to presence, to nature, to myself, to my own inner wisdom and knowing. And so when I got there for the weekend, I was like, wow, this is really, this space is, space is so special. And I had this insight and this, this, this vision of, I need to come back here and write my book. And so I asked my wife uh, if she'd be down with it. And so we picked March. And so this is a few months ago, picked March to go to Sedona to write my book. And in that process, um, you know, really, you know, it's fascinating to think about it. It was one of my biggest fears, and I'll reflect on this because when it comes to writing book and the whole journey of, on the other side of fear lies freedom. When I first walked away from the game, I and wanted to travel the country. I started this blog called Man Van Dog Blog. And my vision was I want to do a written blog, written travel blog, sharing my experiences. And like it was a it was a really big hot thing back then. And I just had this really cool vision. And so I got everything set up. I did, I got a branding company to create a little brand, which was cool started a, a website, got it all created. And then I sat down to write my first blog and spent like three or four hours writing and read it. And it just was terrible. <laughs> and I was like, well, I can't, I can't put this out there. <laughs> and there's a lot to unpack there because a part of it was my fear of being seen. Like it's a very vulnerable thing to share your, your writing. And then I was thinking back, like, of course I have always had this story. You know, I, I wasn't very good in English class and didn't really know how to write or that's the story I was told never got good grade. So I was always told like, I, I can't write. I'm not a good writer. And so I got to this point of like, of course I can't write. What am I thinking? And this writing story was so bad that even when I started learning about the power of journaling, I couldn't even journal. Like I would write in my journal and I would cross it out and I would just judge myself so much for what was coming out. And so what I did for a couple of years in my journal was I would just read books and take really powerful inspirational passages and quotes from books and put them in my journal. But I would never share even myself with my journal. I was just in so much fear and shame and judgment. And so it got to a point like, man, how am I going to even write a blog? And so I ended up pivoting and ended up doing like YouTube videos instead. And even when I shared my journey on Instagram, if you go back to my early Instagram post when I was on the road, I would put a picture and I would put a quote of someone else. I wouldn't even like say my own thoughts and words. I'm really grateful for Instagram because it gave me this space to like continue to slowly like write my, my own words. And I learned about this thing called stream of consciousness journaling, the morning pages from Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. And so I started journaling and writing and not judging what was coming out, just like stream of consciousness journaling. And I started writing 10 affirmations at the end of each one. And I knew if I wanted to write a book and like reflecting back on this, this is even re- very recently, like, why did I decide to write a book? And I think it's really cool. Cause I realized it's something that I thought I could never do. So I knew I had to do it. And so I'm, I'm just this, this process over the last four years of what this book really means to me, it's, it's not, hey, I want to go, right? Because I have something to share. It's so much more than that. that it's this, this challenge to myself to prove that I can do things that I don't think I'm capable of and shift that narrative around so much. And that, I know that's inspiring to me and inspiring to others. And so I've just journaled every day and I I, st- I, no- I started noticing something magical happen. Like my writing started improving, I started feeling more comfortable with who I was because I was starting to understand and have conversations with myself on the pages. And then I started doing positive affirmations like "I am an author," "I'm I'm, I'm going to write this book," and it's really creating a new story. And so when I started writing a couple of years ago, like the writing that I was doing was it was very much still like trying to figure out that whole process and all of it needed to happen, but as I've gotten prepared for this month in Sedona to write this book, I'm realizing that I am not the one writing it. And a lot of times I try to think about the words that I need to write and what it's, how it's going to receive, like all of that creates blocks. And so over the last month, I've been really setting a lot of intention and praying a lot and finding stillness. And I've just been connecting with the energy of this, this book, finding freedom, what wants to be shared. I've been I have so much experience. I have so much life. But when you talk about writing a book, it's like you can't just like there's gotta be some kind of through line, there's gotta be some takeaways for the reader, there's gotta like what audience is it fitting? It's just it's a lot more daunting project than just like a blog post. Where it's like, hey, I have an idea, I'll write a few pages about it and put it out. It's there's gotta be some continuity to it. And, you know, am I doing just a memoir about my own experience or am I teaching like wisdom that I've learned about from my own experience through that work and, and the healing journey and football, like is how much of my football journey is in it? How much is the van life? How much of like the spiritual understanding? how much of the healing with my family and my parents and my relationship to God and creation and source. (laughs) And so just all this stuff. And over the last month, it's been really cool because I've, I've really just continued to connect with it. Not trying to like feel stressed of like, I need to start writing because it's only a month and I need to be prepared. It's like my preparation has been connecting with it, slowing down, letting go of the fear, letting go of the doubt, connecting with my heart and opening the channel and just allowing like what wants to come through and then releasing attachment to that. And even just today, I was sharing with you earlier, like I'm receiving these little, these little insights of like, Oh, I'm like, is that, is that what the book's about? Cause that's not really anything I've been preparing. It's like, yes, it just show up and write and it will come through. And so as I get prepared to leave tomorrow to go to Sedona, I just know I'm going into this, this process. It's this ceremony. And for any of you, you out there that, that write, writing is a very cathartic process. And even those first 70,000 words I wrote that were kind of word vomit. I cried a lot during that. I processed a lot. I was able to like reflect on my story. And a lot of that was around my football journey. And so I know this, this month, it's not about the outcome of like, I can't wait to get this book done. So it's out. Yeah. It's about the journey of what's going to unfold over this next month. What am I going to learn about myself and what's going to come through? And I just could keep connecting with that. There there might be a book on the other end and we'll yeah. see how it turns out. Your your whole energy just
0: lit up when you talked about that. Dude. You're so, how excited are you for tomorrow? I was so excited. And, and then, as you
1: said, the the ceremony's already started. Oh yeah. You're, you're in it. Yeah. And the importance of intention. And another thing I'm excited about, I'm driving there and my, the rest of my family, uh, you know, my wife and then our nanny slash best friend, Belle and her partner are all coming with us. So, cause we have Luca so I can really have the space and, uh, talked about earlier on the show, the nostalgia for being on the road with me and Freedom, my dog, yeah. and it's really cool. I'm really stoked it's about. It's like a 17 hour drive there or something like that, and it's gonna be me and my dog Freedom and being on the road. And I haven't had that like solo road experience for a long time, and it's gonna be cool to have the space to just be on the road. You know, just seeing the horizon, just cruising, and then getting prepared for this experience and this ceremony. I'm just so stoked because that's going to bring back so many memories of traveling around the country with her. Yeah.
0: Uh, one thing, because I want to touch on that, uh, but just in the process of, of, of writing my book, very similar to yours, and we, we had talked about this before, but you know the, the first draft was done the summer of 2020. And I just kind of let it sit there and sit there for a couple of weeks and a month six weeks. And and then I started to realize that my hesitation or tension around going into it was that I was still writing the book through my own experience. Mm. And, you know, a, a lot of judgment came up because I wasn't working on it and I should be working on it. But when I finally understood that there was so much more for me to share about my own personal journey, what I was working through and alchemizing through my experience that it it allowed, you know, the book to 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 go on pause. And then as I've revisited it a little over a year ago, it's it's much different than I thought it was going to be. And you talk about, you know, the NFL and, you know, maybe the healing around that. For me, there was there's been so much in the book that has been about loving the trader version of myself those years i spent there and really having so much gratitude for what i learned in that container um and i don't know you know it was put to me by boyd actually um probably a year and a half ago he's like when you when you learn to love that version of yourself there's real medicine in it and so i'm like okay well fucking i, I believe him because so intellectually i'm like okay like how do i do this and it was, it ended up being through, through writing the book that I started to really connect with who I, I was back then. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's been very uh, cathartic for me. And I really, I, I, I had no idea all that I had learned, you know, in my 18 years as a, as a trader. And so I'm excited to to continue to kind of put that together and, and work that out. But it's been, you know, I don't know if anything would have been as powerful for me to connect to that kind of that version of myself. But what I wanted to ask you is, okay, so you're going on a 17 hour road trip. Like are you listening to podcasts, audio books, music, nothing? What do you bring in for food? And like, what, what's, what's the prep look like?
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've been out, so out of the game for so long. <laughs> I think it's a combination of, of everything. Um, I, I when I eat on the road, I, I like to eat healthy. So, I mean, there's depending where I'm driving, but going through the Southwest, there's really not a lot of food options on the road unless you stop in a major city. I usually like go to whole foods and get like salad or berries. I definitely stay away from all like the fast food joints. Um, but then as far as how I spend my time, I would say the majority of it is in silence. I, I really, it's like a meditative practice. I get so many insights and, and downloads and, and ideas when I'm just, just driving. There's just something about the rhythm and the road. And, you know, I, I probably take some moments of silence and then, you know, I'll kind of be bored and... um ready to listen to something. I'll listen to an audiobook or a podcast. Uh, there's a couple podcasts because I work from home now. I don't, and I don't travel around as much. I don't listen to as many podcasts anymore. So Same. there's a couple of podcasts on the, on the back burner that I'm excited to listen to. Maybe throw on an audio book, um, maybe call some people. Uh, but yeah, mostly just, just being with myself. It's just so therapeutic. I, I love it so much. Yeah. You know that I, I got a great piece of advice back when I was trading.
0: Um, Guy, uh, uh, James Fitzgerald, who was my coach at the time recommended, he's like, look, when, when you leave work and you're driving home, don't put music on, don't put on a podcast, just be in silence. And, and, and what that did for me is it allowed me to show up when I got to the front door to actually be husband and dad and kind of process all that had gone on through the day in that 15, 20, sometimes a 30 minute drive, depending on traffic. But you know, the, I love listening to music. I love podcasts. So back then I was listening to Howard Stern all the time. So that's like, I really enjoyed that, Mm -hmm. but it just is like continuing of this noise of unprocessed noise. And it wouldn't allow me to, you know, I'd show up very distracted. And so I love the practice of being in silence in the car. Um again it can be challenging cuz you're like fuck. Yeah, I just want something really light right now.
1: Yeah, I got a funny story with that cuz it's it's when you're choosing to do it and you have access to like if when I'm ready to listen to a podcast or an audiobook it's there I can do it. When I was traveling around on the road, uh I ended up losing my phone in Kansas on a hike and I didn't realize until I was driving off I didn't have it. And the next closest Apple store to get a new iPhone was in Colorado Springs. So it was like a day and a half drive. And so I was in, in Kansas is the worst state to drive through as far as beauty goes. It's just flat farms, like <laughs> the whole, like for hours and days, it's just flat. There's nothing to look at. And I, in my radio, I didn't have like an actual radio cause it was like the Sprinter van. Yeah. And so I literally, I was forced to be in silent for a day and a half. And that was an entirely different experience. Cause then I was having to sit with this stuff where I was like, oh wow. Like I'm really just so uncomfortable. And I like, what is this mind doing? <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to have that, uh, that balance. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, dude, this
0: is awesome. I knew it would be, but thanks for coming on. Mm. I'm glad we did it now.
1: Yeah. Before your journey. Thanks, Cal. Sedona. Yeah, I appreciate it. We should maybe do a follow-up after the, the ceremony I'm going into. I'm Absolutely. sure I'll have a lot of nuggets to share. Hell yeah. I'd love that. Um, so to just tell people where they can find you. Yeah. I think the biggest way to 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 connect with me is through the community, heartcollective.org. We've got a free membership in the inner circle. Um, it's really cool the app we have. My my journey with that is I'm I'm not as active on social media. Just the frequency of it's very I just get so distracted in the rabbit hole of Instagram every time I log in. And so I try to create a lot of space for that. And the intention behind building this online community with this own separate white labeled app is it's a safe container where you're not going to get distracted by outside stuff. And so that's where I'm most active. So you can DM me on that and you can connect with other people within the community. So check that out, heartcollective.org. And then I have a podcast called Quantum Coffee, um, which... You know, you've been on it and I'd love to have you on again. It's just really fun. We explore the unanswerable questions of the universe and just get really curious together. And it's really shifting into this focus of, of how do we uh, create a more beautiful world together? And, and what are my guests doing? And I'm doing solo casts as well. Like, what are we doing to really not only heal ourselves, but show up and make the world a better place? And how do we actually start building this thing by leading with our hearts? Um, and so there's a lot of really good conversations on there. If, if your audience would love to check it out, awesome! And I'll I'll make sure that we link to
0: our, our episode in the show notes because that was uh, such a great conversation and, and experience. So thank you, brother. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks, Cal. It was amazing. Yeah, I love you, brother. You've been listening to the Great Unlearn. For more information, check out the show notes or head over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events, retreats, and the TGU store. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe and share this with friends who might enjoy our platform. Don't forget to leave that five-star rating and review as it really helps us spread the love and unlearning. You can find me on Instagram at cal.callahan and on YouTube under The Great Unlearn. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon. No, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned.